Hi everyone, it is Marlena Gross-Taylor here with Edgy Gladiators with my partner in crime, fellow warrior, Sean Tom. So excited to have you here, Sean. I'm very excited to be here. I'm very excited to talk about this topic, which I know hits both of us very close to home. You are absolutely right, it does. And we have some folks already popping in. So just wanna go over the groundwork for those that are new to our YouTube live podcast. Uh, we have the chat box open. So if you see me glance to my right, I have my laptop up so I can follow along with the chat. Uh, Scott, so happy you're here with us uh, today. And I know I see some other folks popping on too. So welcome. As we're talking today, feel free, or tonight, feel free to pop in a question in a chat box. We'll be dropping a couple of links as well as we go through our discussion today of defining sanctuaries. Uh, and we just love to have your feedback and your thoughts because, you know, that's one of the things that we want to do here with Edge of Gladiators podcast is, you know, bring the real talk. And that is one of our hashtags, real talk, to what is affecting our schools um, and our students today. So, for tonight, it is defining sanctuaries, and I'm so excited to have Tom here, or Sean here, I'm sorry, here with me uh, as we talk about this topic. And, and the, the view we're going to go from, or the angle we're going to try to attack tonight is really not about who you voted for, because it's irrelevant at this point anyway, but how the presidential elections over the last several months, how it has affected our schools. But before we jump into that, for those of you that may not know Sean, I want to give him an opportunity to introduce himself. So my name is Sean Thom. Uh, I currently teach eighth grade science at Camden's Promise Charter School in Camden, New Jersey. I serve as a principal of a private special ed school for two years, and I've also taught middle school science throughout eighth grade. Uh, my, my big passion is social emotional learning, and this election kind of hit me very hard working with the students that I work with and, and the area that I work in. So um, you know, I guess I'll just kind of get started a little bit with talking about how the election really impacted us. So election night as the results were rolling, and I was probably up until about 2 o'clock in the morning going over things. And by the time I finally fell asleep, it was probably like 3 or 4. And I typically get up around 4 in the morning. So it was a very sleepless night. And the whole night I'm wondering, what am I going to tell my kids? my student population is about 75% Latino and 25% black. So as a white male going into this, my, my classroom to talk to my kids, how am I going to address this? And luckily for us, we were having a Veterans Day celebration. And as decided, there's nothing more patriotic than having a conversation about the election process. So we sat down and we talked. And I actually just kind of let my kids, I gave them markers and let them go up to the whiteboard and write whatever they were thinking and feeling on the board. I actually stepped out of the room so they'd have the opportunity to be as open and raw as they felt the need to. And it was revealing. It was very revealing to, to kind of see all that. Wow, what a powerful experience for you as an educator uh, and also for your students. You know, there was a USA Today article, I'll pull that up, uh, and I'll also tweet that out. It's not letting me drop it into our chat, uh, but I will tweet that out in just a second. But there was a USA Today article uh, that came out on November 17th. It says, the kids aren't all right. 
educators grapple with post-election tensions. And so that's what we're gonna kinda talk about today is, again, not, it doesn't matter who you voted for, especially at this point, but how has this been affecting our kids? Uh, because we always wanna talk about, our, our encourage our kids to do their best, to be uh, great people inside and out, to have stand-up character, and the elections have brought out, you know, um, not the very best of our kids. In this article, USA Today, they highlight several, several instances where, uh, where students inside their schools are harassing, uh, are being just plain mean to other students and also to teachers in their building. Uh, so this is something that is very real because kids can't always verbalized in the best way what is going on in their hearts and in their minds so they they act out we as educators we know this to be true the research supports that so when i read this article sean i'd love to get your take on it when i read this it it really you know it really made it very clear to me that we needed to do a podcast a special edition on this and talk about how how our kids are responding and having to deal and cope with with the election process well, I, I did think it was a great article, but I think what we need to start with is recognizing the fact that we have no idea how this impacts anybody else other than ourselves. And I think that's one of the most important things we have to be able to recognize, especially with our students, is that we have no idea how this is going to impact them personally. And I sent an email out to the staff in my school the, the, the morning after the election. And I just said, look, I know it's tough right now and we're all struggling and we, none of us know what to think and what to feel and how to really move forward. But we have to recognize that our kids are thinking and feeling the same way and that we've got to make sure we are there for them and that our lessons can wait. But what cannot wait is the conversations that we need to have with our kids and give them that safe space to allow them to talk and express themselves and express their feelings. And the type of things that I heard from my students when we had those conversations that day, I mean, the amount of kids I had in tears uh, were just, I mean, genuinely afraid for their families, I mean, their, their, their own well-being. I have students asking me if they could bring slavery back. And these are real questions. I had students asking me if they're going to deport their families. I mean, real questions, real things that these students didn't have answers for. And they were looking for me to kind of make them feel better. And they were looking for us to say, it's going to be okay. And as an educator, I, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't look my kids in the eyes and, and lie to them and say, no, it's going to be okay because I don't know that. And I refuse to lie to them. And I think, you know, that's something that we really have to be able to understand if we're going to analyze how our kids are thinking and feeling we've got to give them an opportunity and space to really express themselves and have those conversations free of any sort of consequences or absolutely absolutely sean you know uh and we're going to drop this tonight uh the the advertisement for our edgy gladiators chat for saturday uh we'll drop tonight after our podcast and the series for the month of december is fierce conversations I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that book, uh, Fierce Conversations, but for those of you that are listening in, you definitely want to uh, definitely want to pick that up when you see the poster go out, have the link to it. But in this book, Fierce Conversations, Susan Scott is the author, and she writes about how to have truly authentic conversations that bring us from out behind our words to really have honest, open, transparent conversations 
So when I think about what you just said, uh, Sean, it makes me think of how important it is to have fierce conversations with our kids. And understanding fierce conversations, when you hear that word, it's like, oh, I don't want to be, you know, negative or whatever. It's not about being negative. It's about being heard and listening and being authentic. Uh, so your, your comments made me think about that. How can, we, how can we help our kids have fierce conversations about the climate right now? I think the biggest thing is just spending that time to create those safe spaces in the classrooms. And I recently put out a piece a couple of weeks back about how we created that safe space in our classroom with, with our students. And I just want to, I need to give a shout out to all my students who I see right now in our chat who are here and who are watching, because I mentioned this to them today and we had some conversations and I told them, I said, we have created sanctuary in our classroom because of the work that we've done together. And I think it all starts with building those relationships with the students and not just talking to the kids, but really kind of turning the conversation over to them and actually letting them, like I said, express themselves. We can't, we don't do that anywhere near enough in education. And you know, as I'm seeing, as I'm seeing the things roll through here in the chat, I mean, it, it, it puts a big smile on my face because my students are here for a reason. And they're participating in an educational chat with educators. And it's, it's, it's amazing to see because they feel like their voice is important and they feel like their voice is being heard. And I think that's the, the, the biggest things that we can do for our kids. Absolutely. You know, when you, when you and I were talking and, and I was just sharing just my thoughts about we have to do something, like we have to use this platform to bring awareness of how these very adult issues and behaviors are affecting our kids and really being disruptive in our schools. Uh, whether it's good disruptive or bad disruptive, it's still something that needs to be addressed and the kids need to be heard. Uh, when I talked about sanctuary, uh, if you want to share a little bit about that, I, I suggested how about safe sanctuaries? And I did not know about the terms, how sanctuary was being used. As a preacher's kid, I'm thinking of sanctuary like a church being a safe place for students to learn. And you were like, sanctuaries? I don't know about that. I don't know about that word. Tell them about, about our conversation a little bit and what sanctuary means to you. Well, I feel like when we first started talking about a, a sanctuary, the first thing that popped into my mind was sanctuary cities. And there's, there's a city not too far from mine in my, in my county, about 15 minutes from, from my town, that is considered a sanctuary city where, where we, have, we have individuals who, who, I mean, who are here. We have a, a very large migrant population. And it and we have a, we're a very agricultural area. So that was my first thought coming into that, how there's kind of this negative connotation to sanctuary because we're allowing people the opportunity to be here and, and to work and to support their families and to find these opportunities to kind of better themselves and to better their, their families and, and their lives. So I think that was kind of the first thing that popped into my head. And then from there, I think we kind of started building on this a little bit more as, as to what that is. And then you opened up my eyes to... What, what, what a university near you was doing. And, you know, and I, I think that's a really good thing for you to kind of share with us now, too. Absolutely. So after we had this conversation and Sean opened my eyes to like how people were using the word sanctuary and sanctuary cities, then I became more aware. So it's just the power of conversation. Like that quick conversation made me now more aware of what sanctuary cities are, are the term sanctuary, how it was being used in the news and the media. And not even the next day, uh, Vanderbilt University had a student demonstration at their school. 
yeah, the Vanderbilt and the students of all colors uh, were all coming together and declaring, they had a sit-in and declaring that uh, the chancellor declare Vanderbilt University a sanctuary school because there were students there in college that were terrified of being uh, sent back to their respective countries. That, and we all know that that would, that would happen if they're here illegally. So just the fact that Vanderbilt University, you know, that is like the Ivy League school of the SEC and I'm in the South. So, you know, the fact that they would have kids there that may not be legal and that they're all these other, their other friends are coming together to demand that this happen was just very eye-opening to me. And it made me see that it's not just our kids in K-12 schools that are having to deal with this and having a tough time dealing with it, but also our higher education students. So I started paying more attention to that, but it all started with the conversation. And that's what we really hope, you know, tonight's chat will ignite a conversation about each other, about our differences, about our fears, about our hopes, about our dreams, and how we can all make that a reality here together uh, in our country. Uh, so Sean, tell me what do you think about the students? Uh, I know we had several in, in California and some other states uh, that walked out of school in protest after the election. Well, I think it's really important for us to allow our students to not necessarily grieve in their own ways, but just to kind of process in, in their own ways and however that may work for them. Um, and I think it's also really important to recognize that when you mentioned earlier, it, didn't, it doesn't matter at this point who you voted for, but what we see is that it's not just our individuals who are concerned about a Trump presidency, but also the idea of our students whose families may have supported Trump. Um, it, you're kind of you're kind of getting two sides of of the coin here. Um, so I, I completely lost my train of thought for a second. That's okay. <laughs> but I, I feel like there was an incident that happened in California at a high school where there was a, an incident of violence between a, a, a young lady who was in a fight because her family her family supported Trump. And the entire student body decided they were going to do a, a walkout and they kind of had to sit in in one, in one of, in one of the, the, the common areas and kids from other schools got involved and they sat down and the administration came in and just allowed the students to be and allowed the students to kind of process and do their own things. And I think that's what we really need to do for our kids more than anything else. And the walkouts and the sit-ins are our students' ways of saying, hey, look, we are aware of what is going on. We do not necessarily agree with what is going on, but we are going to stand up. We are going to, we're going to come together and we're going to have these conversations of what we, to see what we can do to better ourselves and to better what's, what's going on in this country. So I think it's a, it's, it's a form of protest. And for our students, we have to recognize that my students ask me all the time, Mr. Thom, I'm, I'm 14 years old. I'm 13 years old. What am I going to do? We had this conversation the other day, right? On the day of Thanksgiving, we were talking, we're talking about the Dakota Access Pipeline. And they said, what are we going to do? And my response to them was raise awareness. Talk to people. Talk to your friends. Talk to your families. Have conversations because it starts with awareness. And I think that's one of the things that we need to do the most is, is raise that awareness. I think that's what we are doing right now with this conversation and with all the people who are listening and, and are part of this right now. 
Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and as a as a former principal at both the high school and middle school level and even elementary, you know, you don't want your school day to be disrupted, right? Because you have all these other things that are going on and, and testing is looming in the background uh, for you as well. But when the when something is when something is taking the kids' attention like this, then you have to give them an opportunity to work through it, whatever that might be. You know, and, I, and I've talked to some other educators about like their thoughts on on student protests and what that should look like. And I think this is a perfect time to make social studies come to life. Like we are living history right now. And I think it's a great time to talk to students about, okay, here's what here's what here's what people have done in protest. Here's what students have done in protest. Uh, and let's talk about the pros and cons of that. And what are ways that we can really leverage uh, getting the awareness of what's going on out there and and really, um, you know, leveraging whatever viewpoint you stand on, how we can leverage that. And so for me, Sean, you know, when I see this, I think it's a great opportunity for students to work hand in hand with their teachers, with their administrators, uh, and helping them find a way to make sure their voice is heard. And for our students, and I know I have a lot of students, I'm looking at the chat, we have a lot of students, a lot of students on the chat. The the best way right now that they're perfectionists at, they're pros at, is leveraging social media. And not just leveraging it with funny, you know, pictures or gifts and things like that, but really being thoughtful of what they have to say and spreading the word, spreading that message, that message of being united, of loving each other, of respecting each other's differences and of, of school being a safe place. Students, you are the best. I thank you, I think Cortez, thank you Cortez. You are the best at social media. I might be 28 forever, but I can't, I can't do social media like you guys can. And so that is your gift in your generation. Use it. Uh, that's when paying attention in English class becomes super important. Be thoughtful with your words. Your words have power, whether it's written on a paper, written in a tweet, uh, made into a video, your words have power. So I, I see this, Sean, as a great opportunity to really examine the art of protest, how it served us through history, and help our kids find their voice in a way that will, first of all, affect the kind of change that they're wanting to affect, but also continues them on their path to uh, make sure they're also getting their education as well. And I, I think that's important. Um, I'm just going to have to correct you a little bit because when I tell my kids that I'm on Twitter, they tell me I'm old. And they, me, <laughs> and they, they love to he tell me that Twitter. He's not old, y'all. He is not old. <laughs> they love to tell me that, that Twitter is only for old people. So, you know, we, we, we do talk a lot about leveraging Snapchat and leveraging Instagram and you're just leveraging our different platforms and using our voices to allow us to be heard and to be heard to the masses and the power of hashtags and, and, and all that and the power of doing this responsibly and digital citizenship is exactly what it is and, and teaching our kids how to really interact with each other and so on social media. So, you know, and that's, 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 that's what we're doing. And that's what we need to be doing. Absolutely. I see uh, Jen said that having that digital citizenship. And then Paul, hey Paul, one of our other warriors says that, uh, you know, we have to continue communicating that we may not always agree, uh, but it's important to keep the conversation going by taking turns being speakers and listeners. And so I definitely wanna touch on that point because you can be so impassioned by your view 
and it's hard to understand others might have a different view that you have to be as as an effective leader as our listener as you are a speaker uh, and I think that's really important Paul thank you for thank you for bringing that out um, so lastly we're gonna we're coming to an end to our time together it's been a great great podcast definitely one of my favorites so far how do we look forward in these tenuous times Sean you're in the school uh, you're on the level you're on the ground level and those of you that are listening in please put in the chat box how do we move forward because throughout the election I think everybody was ready for a decision of some type to be made. We were ready for the voting to be over so we can get back on with our lives. But our, pre our president-elect continues to garner headlines. And so it, I don't know about you, but it's been impossible to get back to normal when the media is just uh, overloading us with different things. So how do we move forward? Well, I, I think it starts, you know, I, I mentioned safe spaces before, but I think it really starts with, with a couple things. And I think we really need to do better and be more effective at listening. And we need to listen with, with our ears and our hearts. And I take a lot of the things that I've done in my classroom from an event called Challenge that I had, a, that I had the privilege of being a part of couple years ago when I, when I taught previously. And some of their challenge day norms are just some of the things we bring into our classroom. And when I talk to my kids, I let them know, you know most of us are not actually listening when we're listening. We're thinking about what we're going to say. We're thinking about what our next thing is, what, how we're going to re rebuttal, what a rebuttal is going to be to what the, the person is saying. And we're not actually listening with our heart. We're not shutting our heads down, our minds down. We're not opening ourselves up to that. So we talk about that. We talk about being open-minded, that you know, just because we see the world in one way, it's not the way that everybody sees the world. And I think that's really important for our kids to be able to recognize and for people to recognize in general. Like, I may, I may be a, a staunch Bernie Sanders supporter and you may be a staunch Hillary Clinton supporter, but at the end of the day, that doesn't mean that because we still have to listen to each other and we still have to have these conversations. And, you know, I've had conversations with, with Trump supporters and we've had conversations and then we've, we've come to some sort of agreement on things. And I think that's really important is to be open-minded and approach everything with, with that open mind. And the last thing I always talk to my kids about, and it's something that we need to do a much better job of as a, as a society, is we need to actually, we have to start being real with each other. You know, I mean, when you, when you think about, there's an analogy that says uh, an iceberg is about 80% underwater and you only see that at 20% that's on top. And I think we do that a lot as people and we don't really share how we're actually thinking and feeling. We share what we think others want us to see and how they want us to be. And if we're going to move forward, if we're going to have any sort of progress in this world, if we're going to continue to make this world a better place in our classrooms and out and in our communities, we have to be open-minded. We have to we have to listen, and we've got to get real. We've got to sit down. So you know what? I'm going to say things right now that are probably going to make you feel uncomfortable, but they have to be said, and we have to have the conversations. Because if we're not having the conversations, we are actively choosing to ignore it. And by ignoring it, it's not going away. By ignoring these things, we're just becoming complicit in what is going on. And you see everything going on right now. And if you ignore these things, this is my call to action for everybody. If you ignore, you are complicit. If you ignore, you are saying, you know what? I know what's happening, but I've got other things I need to focus on right now. 
it doesn't take long. It doesn't take long to share something on social media and say, hey, look, check this out. Whatever the case may be, try getting involved whatever way you can. But get up. We need to stand up. We need to fight for each other right now. And I think that's the major thing I'm talking to my students about and having these conversations and what we need to do in our classrooms, in our schools, in our communities. Absolutely. And Sean, please be sure to drop your uh, your blog post. Sean wrote an amazing blog post uh, dropped yesterday. Is that right? I Yes yesterday make sure you read it because it definitely is an inspiring call to action and you know and i again we have to have those fierce conversations we have to be able to talk to each other openly and honestly and learning how to do that starts at school that starts at the school and so when i think of defining sanctuary i think about our schools being a safe place for all students to learn all students to grow and same for their teachers and same for their principals and other folks in the building that help make a school run. Uh, we're going to close out today uh, with uh, a quote by Dr. Martin Luther King that I just love because I think that uh, as times continue to be confusing, maybe for some of you adults and, and students alike, I think it's important to remember this and, and not get caught up in, in some of those dark moments. One of my favorite quotes by uh, Martin Luther King is, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So for everyone that's listening, um, students, adults alike, I think we need to remember that piece of advice and that we are the light. Each and every one of us have the power, the potential, the responsibility to be the light, to choose love, not choose hate and to respond in kindness with those that we meet uh, no matter what and and i think if we all do what we're supposed to do in that regard then we will see improvement we're not perfect we're far from it i think it's impossible for us to be perfect but you know if we shoot for the moon we'll land amongst the stars and for us that's having schools that are safe for all of our students uh, where they could focus on learning and growing and, and being the game changers that I know that they will be when they're adults. Again, thank you everyone that joined us tonight. Thanks so much uh, for those students who joined in from New Jersey. I really appreciated that. Heartfelt thank you from me here in Nashville. Uh, and thanks to all of the adults that joined and all of our listeners. Again, after this podcast is over, it will be recorded and, and up on our channel. So please spread the awareness by spreading this podcast uh, and, and share. Let's spread the light. Let's spread the love. And for those of you who join us each Saturday for our Twitter chat, we will be back this Saturday at 1130 Eastern with Edu Gladiators. So follow along. Students, you're welcome to follow along as well and join in this week. Our, our series starts, A Fierce Conversations, and our topic will be Real Talk. Thank you so much, Sean, for joining me tonight and, and for just sharing your thoughts and help spreading the message. No problem. Thanks. Thanks for having me be part of this. And, you know, this is something that obviously works, goes really deeply with, with me and my students. And I'm not going to give all my students individual shout outs, but for all of you guys who are and girls who are up when maybe you should be getting ready to go to bed and doing your homework much love thank you for being a part of the change and for being that change you guys want to see in the world
Absolutely. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. Night.